Are you curious about, interested in, or working within the field of anesthesiology and you are a woman, person of color, or otherwise do not fit the stereotypical image of what an anesthesiologist looks like, then this is the podcast for you. We will discuss what life is like on the other side of the blue drape for us. Issues most relevant, such as what is anesthesia really? And we're not talking textbook definition. Tips for applying, success in residency, life as an attending, and beyond. Join us each week as we take a dive into this rich and often misunderstood field. This is your host, Dr. Alicia Peterson, and welcome to Sivo Sisters. Welcome back, y'all, to Sivo Sisters, where we demystify and diversify the field of anesthesiology all within the duration of an anesthesia break. I am so pleased to be airing this from San Francisco at the ASA conference. In this episode with Dr. Cassie Armstead-Williams, we will discuss how having parents who are anesthesiologists does not make your path obstacle-free. We'll discuss why her parents discouraged her from going into medicine and then discouraged her from going into anesthesiology. We'll talk about navigating medical training with a physical impairment and how this actually wasn't even her biggest challenge. And finally, the key to longevity in medicine. Please enjoy. It is my absolute pleasure to introduce my good friend, Dr. Cassandra, we call Cassie, Armstead Williams. We are here at the ASA conference, and she has not been to this conference in many years. So I'm so happy to see her, pull her aside. For those of you who are familiar with the American Society of Anesthesiology Conference, her mother is the illustrious Dr. Valerie Armstead. She comes to all the ASA conferences for you medical students and residents who may be afraid to network, find Dr. Valerie Armstead. She she knows everyone and will introduce you to whoever you should know. Getting back to Dr. Cassie Armstead-Williams. She is a dear friend who is a practicing pediatric anesthesiologist based out of Memphis, Tennessee right now. Yes. We met in our intern year, pediatric intern with me at SUNY Downstate back in 2010 to 2011. Yes. She was a key component for making that intern year so enjoyable. What you all don't know is Cassie comes from a family of anesthesiologists. Yes. Her mother is an anesthesiologist. Her father is an anesthesiologist. And her husband is an anesthesiologist. Even though she is surrounded by anesthesiologists, her journey is not without challenges and obstacles. And Alicia, you couldn't be more correct. I should start by speaking about how I actually went into medical school because my mother saw all these Medicare, Medicaid billing, structural changes that were happening in medicine. And she actually tried to talk me out of going into medicine. She's like, no, you'll be happier in another field. When you go to college, do you like engineering or physics? You don't need to put these struggles into your life. It was my father who very slyly got me this summer internship at Jefferson Hospital in Philadelphia. That was kind of his quiet way of giving me permission to think about medicine again, because growing up, I learned that 
you listen to mom. Yeah. Like <laughs> she's always right. And you could either do it the wrong way and then come back and have her tell you, I told you so. Yeah. Or you could just do it her way. So I didn't want to go into medicine. My my father kind of quietly gave me permission. Once I set foot in the medical field again, I was then in medical school, they tried to talk me out of going into anesthesia. <laughs> I I swear to God, you know, they tried to talk me out of going into anesthesia. I was trying to decide between pediatric neurology, radiology, and anesthesia. And it wasn't my anesthesia rotations that just made it click. It was my ICU rotations. I had so much fun in the ICU and the PICU that I was just like, nope, this is it. This is for me. What was their big arguments for look at something else? So in the early 2000s is when all of the CRNA organizations really started amassing power and having a lot of lobbying influence. At that time, the ASA didn't have a great response. Historically speaking, CRNAs will give 5 to 10% of their income to their lobbying packs. And this is drilled into them starting in SRNA school. It's not considered an option. But if you think about it, if every anesthesiologist gave 5 to 10% wow. of their income <laughs> to the PACs, right. I mean, <laughs> we would be rocking it, you know? Yeah. But historically speaking, this egalitarian way of introducing people into the medical practice, how the AMA and the ASA are run, it's like... Yes, we want your money, but we're not indoctrinating that into you. Yeah. And there's good and bad to both ways of doing things. Yeah. My mom and my dad have always had pulses on what's going on. And they saw the changes and they're like, do you really want to do this? I mean, it's just, it's completely changed from what it was in like the heydays of the late 80s and 90s. That's kind of when they were coming into their practice yeah. and they just saw the changes. And one note about my dad, Dr. Michael Williams, he is a very good anesthesiologist, very well respected, but he's the introvert to my mom's extrovert. He doesn't really like to come to the ASA and make as big a presence mm -hmm. as my mom does. But for those of you who know him, he's a great guy. He won't necessarily introduce himself, but once you get him started, he like lights up like a light bulb. You see that white guy in the corner around Dr. Armstead, that's my dad. <laughs> so once I went into anesthesia, I still very much had to find my own way. Yeah. Still remember a couple of times during CA one year where I got home late from the hospital. I didn't feel like doing the reading I needed to do. And I, tr I tried to call my parents to discuss a case before I would call my attending. And they very quickly taught me that that was not <laughs> going to be allowed. Uh-uh. Because -uh. I, I remember calling them. It was like, I forget what the case was, but yeah. they I asked them a question and they pimped 
(laughs) They pimped me just like they would pimp any other medical student or CA1 trying to get away with something. So Mm -hmm. I quickly learned, no, 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 no. You want to make a mistake, you make it in front of your attendings. You don't be afraid to call them. You don't be afraid to do any of this on your own because we are not going to protect you. <laughs> it's just, that's just not the way it's going to oh work. Oh my gosh. So, um, well, tell us, you know, where did you go to medical school, residency? Because we talked about intern year. We, we shared that together. I went to med school at Wa- uh, Washington University in St. Louis, intern year at Tony Downstate. I did my intern year in pediatrics. Uh, like you, we just didn't want to deal with the adults no. at all. <laughs> Residency at NYU, fellowship yeah. in pediatric anesthesia at Mayo Rochester. Mm-hmm. I don't regret the steps I took. I wouldn't change any of it um, if I had to go back. Because, like, you never know when you're going to, like, run into, like, someone like Alicia Peterson. I'd be like, thank God you were right. doing this internship with me. Thank yeah. God. Uh, I know that I, uh, I, I stopped you where you were trying to bounce things off your parents before going to the attending. And they quickly told you, no, you're, you're going to stand on your own two feet. Yeah. So I'm sure others listening are like, what? I did that. And it's like, yeah. if you, I, I know at least for your mom, like, yeah, that sounds like something she would definitely yeah, yeah. do. Kind of walk us through wherever you feel a point in your life where you're like, oh my gosh, you know, this is, it's getting real now. <laughs> I have a minor form of athetoid cerebral palsy. It is because of that that I was was very careful. It was one of the many reasons that I was nervous about going to medical school, about going into the anesthesia. It's something that I've tried to minimize. I mean, I'm 40 years old and I'm like finally just kind of okay with it. Along the way, certain observant people have just figured it out. And then certain people have asked impolitely, why are you having trouble with your left hand? You should be able to do this. Or why are you walking like that? And But it hasn't been the physical challenges mm-hmm. that have caused the most issues. It's, it's really been the mental game and the politics mm-hmm. that have really gotten me in much more trouble than my minor physical limitations have ever caused. I do have a tendency to trip if I'm tired or I'm not paying attention to my walking. And I do have to brace my left arm in some way in order to do the delicate line work that we do in pediatrics. However, it's never been an issue, okay? I can put in A-lines and ultrasound-guided IVs like nobody else. One thing that I tell my residents often the medicine is easy. Mm-hmm. The politics will kill you. Oh, gosh. You could say that again. Yes. The medicine is easy. The politics will kill you. If anybody is looking for a great book to read, Lean In by Sandberg. She was a Google executive who then went on to do many other things in the California tech industry. She made this point in the book, and I still remember it. In any organization larger than 40 people... High school politics predominates. Wow. And it's so true. There was so much value in that episode and a few points that I want you to walk away with. Number one, many of the biggest challenges we face are mental. How can we 
ensure that our mindset is uplifting and freeing. And that's going to take some internal work, some intentional internal work to address. And then secondly, throughout training, we don't really feel or acknowledge the politics and bureaucracy. We just, you just are so protected by the faculty in this regard. However, when you become an attending, the full weight of that bureaucracy falls on you. And that is what will kill you. The quote about an organization running with high school politics, that is not an exaggeration. I feel so seen and validated, actually, in my own experience uh, working for a couple of large organizations. This is indeed what happens. I am inspired to certainly pick up that book uh, to read further because the more you are fortified by tools to navigate this system, the more prepared you are, the less shocked you are, the less you take it personal. And the more you're able to navigate around the system. Join us next week for part two of our interview with Dr. Cassie Armstead-Williams. I hope you enjoyed this episode of SIVO Sisters. If you love this episode as much as I did, head on over and rate and subscribe so you don't miss out. New episodes drop every week on a Monday because we all can use a little something something to get us through the week. Am I right? I'd love to hear more from you on the topics that you want to hear. So let me know in the comments. This is Dr. Peterson signing off. See you next time.